Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about. time for Mortgage Matters. Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. <laughs> Got a sad Dan Podesta <laughs> over here. Man. All that all that effort, expectation, right down there. Well, he gets new headphones, and they're not working. This is my idea, too. <laughs> but yeah. your new headphones are working just uh, fantastic, right, Jason? They sound good to me. Yeah. yeah. Just- Tell me how that great experience is for you with the new headphones. <laughs> it, was, it was really Dan's idea and everything. Boy. Oh, well. You get smacked, I think, over there. <laughs> I'm going to be prepared next week. We're back. We're back with the new live show. Yeah. Wow. It's the new year. It's been three weeks. Yeah. Crazy. Had to take some time off to visit the family that's all over the state. It's a lot of effort to drag kids around and oh yeah, do all the family hopping. I was telling my my family this week, you know, it's or this holiday season that it's just so different from when they were growing up and doing the holidays to now, the way I do the holidays. You know, back then, you know, people stayed married, people stayed in the same city. <laughs> it was easy to go travel and see people. They'd lived around the corner from you. You could go home at night. Now, people are spread out everywhere. No one stays married, it seems like. So I've got like five different households to go visit. I saw a movie one time where the parents were like, sit everybody down and say, you know, mommy and daddy are going to get a divorce and the kids all go, two Christmases! (laughs) Yeah. Well... I don't have that in my family, luckily, and it's still hard. So let me just tell you. <laughs> okay. And then, and then having that um, plus one on the extra children that is also more difficult. <laughs> and you almost, for us, we almost need like some kind of U-Haul to like get back and forth from places because you your load grows. <laughs> yeah. I keep trying to tell them, you know, it's, get give the kid like some gift cards or something. Right? <laughs> we don't. We don't need a wagon. Yeah, we definitely brought more back than we went up with. Oh, yeah. It was like that last year, too. In fact, I had to make two trips last year. Really? Yeah. Just to retrieve all of your gifts? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Boy. Well, no, all of his kids' gifts. Well, there were just there were a few large items that just, you know, yeah. with all the, like, pack and plays and oh, yeah. things that need to go. There's stuff. necessities that have to go, and then there's the things that can wait. Believe me, it gets it gets less I, from carrying the strollers and the car seats and the high chairs and the yeah. sleeping pack and play thing. All that you you do get to stop carrying all that diapers, diapers, like, yeah, wipes, things like yeah, that. Yeah, all that. That's nice. <laughs> I mean, I I brought I have my kids in tow this morning, and what we bo- we brought this morning was a couple of scooters and an iPad. So you <laughs> and they can carry that themselves. No need for extra underwear or anything. <laughs> it's all taken care of. 
So, well, good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year. We're um, thrilled to be here in 2015. Um, it's just a, already been a great year, um, starting off with a lot of really good news and new programs and loosening of credit guidelines and lots of reasons to celebrate so far. Um, and, you know, as I was accumulating my notes, I wrote um, that – Interest rates are lower in 2015 than they were in all of 2014. And then right after that, in all capitals, I wrote, BAM! Like I was gonna, like I was gonna say that enthusiastically. And then I realized it was gonna be difficult to do. I did it anyway. Uh, that's pretty exciting though, keeping, um, seeing uh, interest rates get good and low. And, um, and also I think really for good reason too. And also looking at what's been going on with the the markets and a little bit of uncertainty overseas and these kind of things. And kind of what's old is new in the new year. I was going to say, what a refreshing change. What, what the American public's really been missing is low interest rates. Hmm. <laughs> hey, well, laugh if you must. but um, I mean, it's good for business. It's good for people who have debt. Yeah. Um, so there's HUD, right? You know about this thing, HUD. Um, HUD is like, what is it? What is HUD? Housing and urban development. Development. Yep. Why do they call it development? Yeah, I don't know. They don't really. Are they developing? Seem to have a lot to do. With That's why I'm always like reluctant to to go on and name the acronym. I know it's housing and urban. Anyway, HUD. Um, HUD's a big part of the the. Uh, environment here that we have housing um particularly lending guidelines by but also housing i mean making sure that housing is meeting people's general health and safety requirements and um i mean for example one of the big things that um people that aren't overly familiar with hud know that hud stepped in somewhere in 1976 and sort of made a mandate about how manufactured housing needed to be built uh, if people are going to be living in these trailers, then you're going to have to use these kind of building techniques and make sure that the materials you're using are going to be safe as they, um, you know, off gas into the living environment and stuff. And, and HUD continues to do that today and keeping building requirements and energy efficiency things. Um, HUD also is uh, part of uh, it runs FHA. Yeah, I have an answer possibly for you. OK, for HUD. Okay, why do they call it development? Yeah. Uh, under their website, it says development, rehabilitation, and modernization of the nation's public and Indian housing stock, and also development of HUD-insured multifamily housing. Yeah. So basically, that's what it is. Hmm. Um, so the big component development here, of the urban centers as relates, you know, HUD is sort of like the overseer, really, of all things housing, and and I suppose too, I just. Due to my experience, education, and line of work, I don't have a lot of experience through it, but I would venture to guess some of the public assistance programs that have people with affordable housing or um, even free housing, that that probably all goes through HUD at some point, too. Um, HUD also oversees FHA, and FHA is a big part of the lending landscape. Um, I was surprised to read that in 2014, FHA loans made up 10% of the overall loan portfolio. Yeah, I was sitting here wondering how 
what their market share is because really FHA the FHA program was designed to serve the underserved right M most people get into conventional Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac financing yeah and you know one of the biggest differences between a conventional loan and an FHA loan is that a conventional loan really has a guarantee and a government loan is insured if you think about that in terms of well, what does that mean, I think it meant a little something different before the recession was that if you made a Fannie Mae loan to somebody and it was in full accordance with the Fannie Mae guidelines and then that loan went on to be guaranteed by Fannie Mae, if you bought that loan in the secondary market and had it as part of a portfolio um, and then the buyer or, or borrower of that loan defaulted on it, it was ultimately guaranteed by Fannie. The originator of the loan was responsible for making the payments to the person that owned it if the borrower wasn't making the payments. Um, that's sort of what the guarantee means. And so the guarantee means that the original lender needs to be around and solvent and in a position to be able to pay. Um, whereas on these insured loans, it's a full-blown insurance policy. There's a premium that is collected and paid every month. And in the event of a loss or some kind of problem, the insurance actually kicks in and pays 100% of the losses for um, the damaged lender. So quite a big difference there. And, you know, I bring up FHA. I knew we were going to talk about it a lot today. Um, I'm going to do my best to go neutral up the middle on the politics of it. I did um, get kind of a kick out of the fact that Obama got to do the press conference saying that, you know, hey, check it out as the spokesperson, you know, that this program under executive order was going to be made easier so that more people had access to affordable housing and affordable loan options. Um, so I just wanted to start by saying that HUD um, sort of functions autonomously from um, Congress and has an ability to do really whatever they want to do. Um, HUD for a long time, FHA was one of the only government programs that funded um, itself and didn't need um, coverage or care or any sort of like girding up in hard times through recessions and stuff. FHA was always a really good solvent organization. Um, and then, you know, like you, we started to say what percentage of the volume it makes up. It changes a lot in these different seasons of what FHA is up to. Um, for example, if the loan limits are too low, like in the early 2000s, everybody moved away from the program. There was just better options, right? I mean, there was the loan limits were too low. We could use this non-conforming loan and get away a better deal. So HUD's numbers kind of paled then. Um, the numbers got huge in 2007, 2008, when all of the stated income um, programs and stuff started to go away and you needed programs that allowed much higher debt to income ratios, but then also lower credit scores. Um, this program allows things that the others don't. For example, just a full-blown foreclosure. For whatever reason, your house got foreclosed and you you just lost it and couldn't, you know, it wasn't necessarily a result of a loss of income or any real big deal, you just couldn't keep the balls in the air and your house got foreclosed. Um, before you get a new conventional loan, 
It might be seven years, honestly. It could be that long. On FHA, three years. And no matter what happened, it could have just been gross financial neglect. And they just there's no questions asked about it. The bar is just lower. And that's really because it's an insured program. So FHA has kind of been around for a long time. I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. Made some headlines this week as the mortgage insurance premiums got a little less expensive. And I wondered if you thought that that would actually make any difference at all. Yeah, I do. I th and I think it was in response to another recent announcement from Fannie Mae that they were going to lower their down payment requirement from 5% to 3%. That was one of the primary reasons people used an FHA loan was because they could only scrape together a 3.5% down payment. That's the minimum required for FHA. When Fannie said, hey, we'll accept loans now with as little as 3% down, they basically went into direct competition over that particular guideline with FHA. And FHA's mortgage insurance is so much more expensive um, that it just made th that reason for using FHA obsolete. So right. FHA, in response, said, okay, well, what we're going to do is be more competitive on our mortgage insurance so that we can still be in the mix for those lower down payment loans, because that's one of the primary reasons people use us. Yeah. And when you look too at like what's been going on with FHA for the last few years, they kind of became what I'll call the subprime dumping ground. When the subprime loans went away, so all the borrowers with poor credit and high debt to income ratios and low down payments and literally a combination of the three mm -hmm. could get an FHA loan in in the market had no other no other options for that kind of borrower that kind of borrower was told hey you you can get an FHA loan that's it um, there are no other options so what you find is that more and more people start going into the the FHA trough that are uh, that are kind of high risk um, and what we came to realize now, looking back over what the last 10 years meant in FHA, um, they didn't have a big segment of market share leading into this recession. There wasn't a whole lot. People were able to get the Alt-A and the subprime loans, and FHA paled in comparison to those. Um, the mortgage insurance premiums were very low. In fact, back... I, I wanted to just illustrate that point for our listeners. Sure. You were underwriting loans from 2002 or three through through the whole downturn in housing you underwrote conventional loans like the true a paper cream of the crop loans you underwrote the the subprime loans how many fha loans did you see during that time period it wasn't necessary honestly did, you saw zero right really zero <laughs> and and part of that is because of where we are here on the central coast and and more or less i want to say in california because the 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 reality is is that um at that time the the fha the loan, loan amount was a, lot lower. was a lot lower but also their mortgage insurance wasn't very competitive because in 2002 2003 we started seeing those um alternative lenders offering hey skip the mortgage insurance thing altogether. Let's do a first and do a second. And by the time you, you, you do the math on that, why not? There's no mortgage insurance. And when you get the, the second paid off, usually by way of, you know, cause my house is going to double in value. So I'm just going to go refi it in a year at a 50% loan to value. And, and by the way, if you had bad credit, that was often a strategy that was employed because 
if you needed a 90% loan to value, they, they may have said, you need to have a 700 credit score, but I don't. I have like a 640, you know, times have been tough. Then um, the alternative loan companies would give you 100% financing with a 640 um, with a little luck and a little market appreciation. When I came back to get a loan in a year or two, I want to get away from this crummy subprime first and second that I have. Um, Hey, man, conventional will take you with a 640 if you have a 50% loan to value. So you had a bunch of people just betting on the appreciation um, and hoping that their equity would cure these credit issues or whatever, right? But so kind of bringing it back to, to the heart of the discussion here, there wasn't a lot of FHA business. Um, there was a lot of other type of loan programs. And when everybody raced over to FHA in 2007, 8, 9, 10, um, the mortgage insurance premiums were too low. And when the losses started coming and the defaults started happening, um, they they needed to raise the mortgage insurance premiums just to cover the level of losses. The losses were deep. And... Um, FHA ended up needing some money. They got girded up for the first time ever financially. And then in the end, when the when the dust finally settles now, as loans have a much higher performance, if you look at the foreclosure rate of 2014, I mean, we can't really say it's totally normal because it's still a little abnormal, but it's dramatically reduced from what it was four years ago. And so now I think really what it equals is that FHA is sort of flush with cash because they raised those premiums so high. And as you recall, a year ago, they switched over also to where the mortgage insurance for many borrowers would be for the entire term of the loan. No longer stopping when you have 20% equity, but having mortgage insurance for the whole 30 years, the very last payment you send in is still going to have mortgage insurance on it. Um, that That's why I, I kind of like, you know, I poke you a little bit to say, do you think this is going to make a big difference? I'm not convinced that it's going to. Um, when I read the press releases and the White House fact sheet and look into how big of an impact this is going to be for us, here's my questions. I have just a few of them. Number one, if you had of an FHA loan that you got a year or two ago, you know, like because the White House, by the way, the White House estimates that 800,000 people. I think that's what it was. 800,000 uh, people this year will refinance their FHA loan into um, a new FHA loan. So this says lowered premiums. This is the White House fact sheet, by the way. Uh, eight, 800,000 homeowners will save on their monthly mortgage costs and enable up to 250,000 new home buyers to purchase a home. That part I want to agree with. I do think it's going to allow some more first-time home buyers to buy homes, those new home buyers to buy homes. But if you bought a home in our county a year or two ago, so you already have the life of loan mortgage insurance, and this now reduction from 1.35% to one to 0.85%, that's going to save, I'd say, probably 150 bucks a month for some people. Um, they probably do that, but I'll tell you where I'm going to be conflicted on it when the, when these calls start pouring into our office is you always want to get somebody away from an FHA loan as quickly as you can. Okay. The, 
the FHA streamline refinance, the one where you really don't do an appraisal, you don't do um, income or credit documentation generally. It's really just fill out the loan application and disclosures and run back through to change your interest rate, your term of your loan and your mortgage insurance. Um, if you're not getting an appraisal on that deal, how do you know if maybe they got the equity to get a Fannie Mae loan where they don't have to have mortgage insurance at all anymore? If they currently have an FHA loan that has life of loan MI, and now they're coming in to get a lower rate on their life of loan MI, but we're not doing an appraisal, are we really helping those people that might have the equity by way of market appreciation to get out of that loan altogether? Well, that's part of the, the analysis you know, and guiding them through that process. If if they do have the equity to get into Fannie Mae, that's probably the better way. If they don't, then there's a great option to refi. That the half percent drop in the mortgage insurance premium for FHA is enough to satisfy the streamline refinance requirement of a five percent reduction in monthly mortgage payment. That's that's the requirement that you need to meet. You have to you have to make six payments on your FHA loan and you have to be lowering your payment by at least 5% in order to qualify for a streamline refi. And a streamline refi is basically like a a no documentation type of refi. Sign here. As long as you've had this loan and you've paid it on time and you're going to save enough money, you can get a new one with a better deal. Yeah. That that's the way the streamline works. On a purchase side, I think they will see more business. The Fannie Mae mortgage insurance premiums for a 97% loan to value are upwards of 1.05%. The new FHA mortgage insurance premium is going to be 0.85%. But you do, with FHA, have that upfront financed mortgage insurance, the one-time deal that gets financed into your loan. Is that staying the same at one and three quarters? Yeah, it's that piece of it has not been changed. So that's where there's some, some a little bit of math to do and figure out where the better opportunity is for you. As you as you go lower in the credit score spectrum on the Fannie Mae mortgage insurance with the low down payment, if you have a lower credit score in the low 600s, the mortgage insurance can get up to as high as 1.5% for that 97 loan to value. So there you're saving so much money that you're going to make up for that one-time upfront FHA fee within three years or so. Um, when you have the higher credit score, it's going to take you longer to make up that fee. So it just... It's going to take a little thought and analysis, but I, I do think that it's going to result in more FHA loans well, being let me, originated. Let me also remind you this, though. I mean, as far as looking into that analysis goes, um, an FHA loan being an insured loan uh, has lower interest rates generally than a conforming loan. It does. It's also an assumable loan. It's I, like the last assumable loan out there. That's true. I pull up uh, pricing from yesterday. Nobody produces pricing on a Saturday here, but pricing from yesterday... Um, Three and a quarter percent on an FHA loan, three point two five. That's a, a like a no points loan, three and a quarter. Wow. Yeah, I mean that's going to be a huge opportunity. The only thing that's still that's still up in the air with this whole FHA mortgage insurance change is that it still has to pass through different levels of government to get approved, it may not actually go into effect until later in the year, like October. They I, seem to do things April, June, and October. Those I saw announcements dates. yesterday, though, from several of the lenders we're working with saying that the final decision has been reached now, and it's January 26th. 
Wow. For case numbers assigned after January 26th, they're going to honor the new mortgage insurance. Wow. That's yeah. great. That's great. Pretty fascinating to me. And for comparison's sake, Dan, so FHA being no points at three and a quarter, uh, we don't even offer three and a quarter on conventional today. Um, if you wanted a no points deal that was an equal, an equal um, closing cost, you'd be looking at 3.75. So that half point difference in interest rate there is going to make a pretty big difference in the monthly payment. Um, and if you... And, yeah, I don't want to get too complicated about this, but there's a, also a strategy that you can use to avoid the upfront mortgage insurance cost of an FHA loan. And um, it's something that we do. Basically, what it means is you get a slightly higher interest rate that creates a credit to buy it out. So that's that's one way that somebody can do that. But let me just say, you know, a borrower that got an FHA loan three years ago, even two years ago, their mortgage insurance has a five-year minimum and cancels automatically at 11 years. If they come in to take advantage of the new mortgage insurance rate, their new mortgage insurance is life of loan MI. So even though it went down by half a percent, they've put themselves in a terrible financial position, taking short-term benefit over the long term. If you know you have a plan to sell or uh, refi or move or add on or something that's going to replace your loan anyway in two or three or five or ten years, then fine. Just know what you're getting into. So I kind of sat back last night when I was putting together all my show notes. I thought, man, all these disclosures and all this regulation and all this stuff, I sure hope they come up with a disclosure for people doing the FHA streamline refi to say, hey, knucklehead, if you got your loan before this date, your MI was going to stop. And if you get it at, if you get this loan that you're applying for, it will never stop. Because I worry loan officers aren't going to tell that to people. You know, how many, you've been in this business a long okay. time. How many loan officers do you know um, that would just subdue a simple little tidbit of knowledge to ensure they got their commission? Oh, I don't even know that it's intentional. I think, well, yeah. Or, or, yeah, or, just, <laughs> or just or just running into a knucklehead loan officer <laughs> yeah. that doesn't put two and two together. Right. You know, is just most concerned about, you know, getting a loan application done and doesn't think it through. Yeah, there's a, I think the... There's a lot of thought and analysis that has to go into to these types of decisions. But I think the when you step back, the more the the general theme that I'm seeing is is this is the beginning of the pendulum swinging back more towards a normal where we where it needs to be. Yeah. Things have gotten very tight, very expensive when it comes to procuring a loan aside from the actual note rate itself, that's very cheap. But this is the sign of things coming back to an equilibrium where they should be. There's been this cry in national media for a loosening of credit. You and I have discussed, I mean, what do you want looser? You, you want people to, <laughs> to show less documentation on what they make and have how much a, they have in the bank? No, we want that Have worse than a 550 credit <laughs> yeah, score? Yeah, you want worse credit? No, we don't want that. But this is, this is something that does make sense. And I would, I would put this into the category of loosening credit. We owe a commercial break to our sponsors. So we're going to stop now. When we get back, I want to talk to you a little bit more about that because I'm interested. Um, so far, the new year brings diminished down payments and diminished mortgage insurance. And I want to just, I just want to know, isn't this what got us into this problem? And aren't we just headed down the same path again? We're just going to ruin the economy once Are you over. Are working for CNBC? 
<laughs> we'll find out after the break here. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say. All right, everybody, welcome back. We sort of powered through the first half hour there. Um, I, I guess, as you could tell, we were chomping at the bit to uh, both get back on the air. I mean, it's been a few weeks since we've had a live program here. Um, so, yeah, just a desire to get on the air and, and talk a little bit, but also, um, you know, kind of breaking down what these things are and the, the drive-by media has to say about just reading these headlines and um, so yeah, I, I already got stopped once in the hall this week and said, what are you guys doing? Um, Isn't as this what got us into yeah, this mess you, in the first place? Now we're low. We just keep lowering the bar until we once again, you know, find that, that we're in peril. Uh, you got, you went too far again. You dumbed down all of the requirements. You dropped the down payment. You dropped the credit score. You gave tax relief for foreclosure people. You you know, you let them back into the game sooner than they were ever allowed to before. Uh, 
he just kept going and kept going and now you know what it what is it 20 2019 here we are again all these foreclosures and nobody thinks real estate's worth owning anymore and the banks are oh remember how remember how bad the big bad banks were dan those banks they were so terrible when you didn't pay your mortgage and then you couldn't even get a hold of them to try to rework the deal on them remember how bad they were when you when you I was going to say, when you signed up for that obligation, you knew good and well. Yeah, you could, could never you believe they on. wouldn't just forgive debt that you took out? Anyway, <laughs> here we are. At how soon we forget. Now, here we are just cutting every requirement we can come to. We just keep lowering that bar. Um, is it different today? It's a lot different today. I mean... F- First and foremost, the qualification of, of who can get a mortgage is completely different today. Yeah. Back then, you had the low down payments, the low mortgage insurance, and all that combined with low credit standards. Right. Easy credit qualification. I was talking to someone this week. They were, you know, farmers from the valley who, who just were tell, reminding me of how things were in the '50s when they could sit down and look for a loan to buy their first their first cow for their farm and, you know, just a handshake, you know, the banker said, Hey, when are you going to repay this? And I'm going to repay this in April. And they said, okay, here's your $500. Go buy your cow and good luck to you. We'll we see had you back some, in April. We had some banks in town here that were doing that kind of stuff. It uh, definitely in the, was going in on. the handshake, early 2000s. Handshake deals. You could have your money by the end of the day. It, it happened. And those that, banks are all gone. That's the big difference today. You have to show your cards. You have to prove your ability to repay. In fact, there's a component. It's a component of Dodd-Frank, right? It's the ATR guidelines, the ability to repay criteria. Every loan has to come with proof of ability to repay. You can't just do the handshake deal anymore. That is the, the biggest thing that's changed in the lending environment today. You know, it's funny. It's funny that you bring that up because I always have these flashbacks of sitting with, with Carrie um, he was one of the owners of the first company uh, I had the pleasure of working for. And uh, I was underwriting and we were learning about ability to repay. This is not a new term. This is not a new term. Uh, and he's telling me, you know, as we're looking at this, like no documented, you know, no income document, no asset document, just no down payment loan. That The ninja. Remember. <laughs> You must be able to defend how you made the decision that this guy has a demonstrated ability to repay. All right. So I'm flipping through the file here. Like, this might not even be a real person so far. <laughs> um, we've, we, can't, we, we have no idea whether or not they have a job. For me, that's going to be the first step here. Um, sir, can I borrow some money? Well, how is it that you earn money, sir? You know, I... Anybody, anybody like my kids, they always want to borrow money from me. How are you going to pay it back? I'm not hanging out to your birthday when hopefully grandma sends you birthday money. Uh, if you can't earn money, you certainly can't repay debt. So that way back then said, okay, but before I move on from that, let me tell you how we documented these people's ability. Um, it was generally done by credit score. Right. They have a demonstrated ability to repay debt. It's right there on the credit report. Now, you can't, surely you can't have this car loan and this student loan and this visa bill 
that um, you've had for 11 years and nine years and 12 years and never have missed a payment on it. Surely you can't have that without an ability to repay this mortgage here that we're all you know, weighing you out for. Um, so that was enough. That was how it was done. Um, today, when you want to sit down and talk about the de- the new definition, the uh, all of 2014 definition of ability to repay, it's a wildly different um, formula. Has to do with stability, both a stability of income and employment, but also the likelihood of continuation. Has to do with reserves. It has to do with credit. Has to do with all of those things that, um, if you were employing me to like lend your four hundred one k money out to somebody um, for a house while you were, you know, because you're not using it today, you're going to use it in thirty years when you retire. You would want to know that we've really turned over every rock and made sure that. It was all good. Um, to me, that's the loans that's happening today. Abated you by saying, isn't this the, the same old problem? I'm going to say it's not. And um, the other, another great lending thing that uh, most people don't realize is that uh, we think and talk and make decisions um, in lending based around what we called layered risk. You have, everybody's got risk. You've got risk. You're self-employed. I'm glad I'm glad the last eight years it's been possible for you to, to keep this roof over your head, Dan. There's no guarantee that tomorrow you're going to be able to, period. Uh, a, a regulatory change, um, an act of God. I mean, you a tree may actually fall on you today as you go home. Um, there is, there's always risk in a loan transaction. Um, so we have to evaluate that risk. And the trouble is, is where the risk where we hit layered risk. So um, maybe you've had four jobs in the last two years. I don't know what that means. Your technology sector and that's volatile or maybe you're a volatile personality. Um, I don't know. So we try to limit the job gaps. We worry about your ability to keep a job. You know, we get a written verification of employment where we ask the employer to comment as to your likelihood of continued employment. We worry about that. That's your that's that risk piece. Why does this dude have four jobs in two years? Um, if that's your only issue and you've got a down payment and you've got a credit score and you've got a low debt to income ratio, uh, that's a that's probably an overcomable thing. Um, Let's just say then you've had four jobs in two years, and now also your credit score is not that good because you miss credit card payments each time you lose a job. Um, And now consequently, because of that, that tells us that you don't really have savings, else you'd have used your savings to float the gaps. So now we're getting into it. This is where layered risk begins. You've got sketchy employment history, lates that appear to correlate to your time in between jobs, and you don't have adequate reserves to see yourself through the downfall. So whether it's your bad personality that's losing you jobs or your volatile industry, you've not figured out how to weather that enough to satisfy a lender. When you hit layered risk like that today, you're done for. There's no, it's just not built to allow you to to loan. Um, seven years ago, 10 years ago, Layered risk? What do you mean? We talked about it, but you could usually get over three or four layers of risk. 
In wow. fact, there were loan programs. I just charge you a higher interest rate. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's what it, it was I'll all. I'll put a prepayment penalty on you. Right. You're we're, you're at risk of not repaying this loan. We'll charge you more for it. Isn't that just another Anna, layer? And I'll do a prepayment penalty. <laughs> yeah. You won't pay me back in less than three years. You sketchy character. Yeah. That I mean that in it. I mean the whole environment, just based on the the qualify the ability to repay is different. Yeah. When it comes to low down payments. I'll argue that that's a lot different too. Granted, it's over a longer period of time. A lot of, a lot of the principles of, that you hear from your from your elders and things like that about borrowing money have changed over the time with the change in home prices. Right. You know, back when you had to, you used to have to come up with a twenty percent down payment, and that's what's a, a prudent decision in lending money. Oh but, yeah, because your house was twenty seven grand and right? saving fifty four hundred yeah. bucks wasn't that? And let's not even go back all the way to the fifties. Let's talk about the eighties when your home was two hundred thousand dollars. A twenty percent down payment was. 40 grand today homes are in in this area of california are four or five hundred and up four hundred five hundred thousand dollars and starter up. homes i mean a three percent down payment for a five hundred thousand dollar home is 15 grand plus you have to come up with closing costs i gotta stop you real reserves quick. i mean you're talking 25 grand to get into a home today with just three percent down i gotta stop you I mean, wage growth has been so <laughs> exponential charts, right? that you should have been able to save more because you've been earning more. Totally. You're so right. In fact, we have some <laughs> recent statistics on that. In the last 12 months, wages have grown a whopping 1.5%. Is that right in line with inflation? Did you That's just allowing people to keep buying groceries. We're making a classic radio segue here into talking about this employment report that happened um, Friday for yesterday for the month of December. And um, man, pretty good report, I got to say. Go on down the list. They exceeded expectations. In fact, uh, November was revised upward. Over the last three months of 2014, we averaged about 290,000 jobs per month added. You go on back and, and check out the jobs that were added in the entire year. It's like 2.7 million jobs. Oh, I saw almost 3 million. Anyway, it's a lot of jobs. It's uh, a I good year. 2.7 is almost 3. Yeah, that's, close enough. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, capturing its fair share of headlines about the employment report yesterday. The unexpected 0.2% drop in hourly earnings um, in the month of December. So amid all of this like hoorah, creating some amazing jobs at this crazy pace. I mean, it was breaking the this was the most annual job gains in a single year um, since 2006. And, you know, just it's like pop the bubbly, man. This thing is just coming off the rails. And then we stopped and went. Hey, wait a minute. In that month where everybody wants to celebrate closing out one of the best job years we've seen in nine, we made less per hour. So, like, everyone talks about, you know, wow, back when I was a kid, you know, we, we wrestled the bull by hand. Um, whoa, today the bull's way bigger and the dude's like the same size. The dude needs help, you know, and why not? And I want to tie that back real quick in terms of what's going on with lending today. I want to tie that back to that layered risk thing. My guy, my borrowers today, 
Um, my borrowers are fully income documented with, I mean, fine attention to detail about um, how many how many files, Dan, do we send the uh, verification of employment to the employer to break out commission, bonus, overtime, start date, likelihood of continuity, all these things. It's like everyone except for the people who only earn a straight salary. Yeah. It's you are the outlier now. If your job is looked at, your pay stub is looked at and just go, oh, good. Um, you come to one where you're like, here's my W-2 and I work out at PG&E and I make $150,000 a year. And they go, I see. Um, what's the this this part of the pay here? Oh, that's the money they pay me because I'm I'm um, doing continuing education. Did you have that for the last two years? Yeah, I have it every year. It's a really good incentive they have us to keep educating ourselves. Not sure we're going to be able to count that, you know. And then the overtime. Well, what if you don't get to do outages next year? Well, the nuclear plant always has to have outages that's part of how it functions they're always going to have them and i've always done them and they're like mm, if you can qualify without the overtime we can make it work everything about the income the credit the assets the everything is so scrutinized it's ridiculous so where's the layered risk in that there's none um there's some risk sure just like i said you could lose your job you could die you could get cancer you could who knows what um but those risks are pretty um you can't really manage or mitigate that so the risk that we're settling for today since the appraisals are bulletproof and the borrowers are bulletproof is a lower down payment it's a little bit just a couple percent the couple percent makes a big difference too when you're talking to five hundred thousand dollar house. One of my um, the quotes that I was reading this week that I kind of got a little chuckle out of, I was um, saying that the um, we need to attract more first time home buyers. We need because that then allows us to sell our entry level housing stock for those people that have home ownership experience to move up and buy the more expensive home, the, the move up home. Um, but that being said, this guy, um, and let me let me just find his name here. Uh, I might have to get it after the uh, after the break. But at any rate, what he's what he ends up saying here is that um, credit tightness is not the reason that we're not hitting gangbusters lending. The problem with the real estate market right now is that there's not enough for sale. Um, and then at the same time, you have to entice those first time home buyers to come out and buy it. And I kind of sat back and said, where are these starter homes that are just sitting on the market um, waiting for some first time home buyer to be begged to the table? <laughs> the investors bought them. Didn't the investor buy all of those? <laughs> and and now I'm reading this week um, as kind of a, a sign of the times here. I'm reading this week that um, rents. Rents are hitting all-time highs, and the vacancy factor in rentals are hitting all-time lows. Um, it's a it's a desperate. It, you're almost getting squeezed out now, where rents are projected to be more expensive than the mortgage itself. Um, if you can't buy, just go get in line for the apartment because it's just too expensive. And you know, obviously, that's not. 
a, a good thing. Rental vacancies are fallen to 20-year lows. Rents are rising at the fastest pace in six years. Um, the rent inflation reached 3.5% in November. That's the highest growth of rent inflation since 2008. Um, and just it's up 3.5% just from October. And so all of those things lead... I, that sounds like why can't those renters buy that sounds like motivation to get people to buy so yeah what's the barrier to entry it's down payment. it's that down payment so let me ask you this say someone is looking at a home that's 500 grand that's common in in this area right would you rather have them if if they were able to scrape together their you know 40 grand or so would you rather have them put down 15,000 plus closing costs plus let's call it $25,000 and have 15,000 left. So that's a 3% down payment. Or would you rather have them put 25,000 plus closing costs and be left with nothing and be left with a few thousand bucks? I would rather see them left with a decent reserve. Um, you know, and I get that you can't make that a requirement of the low down payment program because then it's almost as exclusive as it is inclusive. But yeah, you're right. I mean, let's not wipe people out. And just going back to it, I mean, the, in San Luis Obispo, if you're going to buy a starter home, a single family residence in Slow, so 500 grand, 20%, 100 grand. You know how hard it is to save 100 grand? That's very difficult to save 100 grand. Um, so much so that we know that most of the down payments by first time home buyers last year that were made that way were made by gifts. So, we now, saw a lot of so family now what, gifting. Now what you're telling me is you'd prefer us leave the guidelines the same, where just the same rich people with rich relatives can get their rich gifts to buy their starter home in slow. Um, it's that that's to me is part of that um, the division of wealth, you know, like the separation of the classes. Uh, there's nobody in my family giving me a hundred grand anywhere ever. So um, that's not an option for me. Um, you know, I, I bought my first loan with my first home with a creative loan. That was a first and a second. Um, I bought my second home with an FHA loan with a three and a half percent down payment. I don't have a hundred grand, you know, I, that, how do you do that? Well, this is how you do it. We've, and I think it's smart. I like where lending has come is where we've, we've figured out how to eliminate much of the crap that was happening the stated income the negatively amortizing the no assets the all the bizarro stuff we tightened all of that down so far that now we're comfortable enough to say you're okay with less than 20 percent down payment you're okay with three percent down payment that's enough money for us that you now you you can come get in on the american dream because three percent's enough yeah we've we've come from layered risk loans to we're going to we're going to really scrutinize all those other potential layers of risk and and eliminate them from the equation and we're going to we're going to be comfortable with just the one layer of risk which is lower down payment but you've still got a significant amount of money if you don't look at the percentage but you look at the actual dollar amount you've got a significant amount of money being put down which compels that buyer to stay in that home so i think that's that's the difference in the lending environment today versus five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. It's, it, it's eliminating all the, the other layers of risk that we can control. Yeah. 
So agreed. And then the other thing, you know, now just to bring this conversation all the way through was was the mortgage insurance. Even the the lowering of mortgage insurance premiums was questioned as as something that, you know, wasn't that what got us into this mess in the first place too. I mean, I, I all the same points that we just made I think are valid with that too. Right. I mean, the mortgage insurance is designed to mitigate risk. If there is risk, we've insured it now. In addition, you know, to all the ability to repay and all that, we're just going to throw a little insurance on top just in case one of our risk factors does pop up and prove to be the, the demise of this loan's repayment. We've got insurance now. Sure. You, you, we were talking during the break that they're collecting so much insurance with FHA that they've got surpluses of it. So obviously yeah, the losses are, are not commensurate with the amount of insurance that it they're was collecting. it was some losses over the normal forward business of fha that's always a strange term to me but that's just a traditional loan a um, lot of losses happened with reverse mortgages in the downturn where property values were down um, and fha sort of becomes the owner of a property if the people had a reverse mortgage on it are now deceased and if it's worth half of what it was worth i mean the on an FHA loan today, the mortgage insurance of 1.75% is collected up front. So let's say we have a $200,000 house. I mean, you're talking 2% on that. It's not even 4000 bucks. So let's just say now that $200,000 house, the people die in 2009 and the house is worth hundred grand. I mean, this is real, right? Things went down by 50% for a minute. How many $4,000 houses does it take to collect premiums on to pay 100000 bucks? That's deep, and that's bad. That was unprecedented. That was a lot of money that was lost there. Um, today, those reverse mortgages, um, you know, they're always made to about 65% of what the home is worth and, and expected to be worth in a few years when the, the borrowers pass away. Um as long as property values are stable to increasing, the formula works. When they fall by half and you die, they're screwed. So we gave them three years in a row of everybody that died lost tons of money for FHA. So now that we're, we've are we restored confidence in real estate and by and large values are back to where they were. I mean, some of the stuff that was ridiculously overpriced in 2006, we're not there yet, but you know, so, so point is the FHA fund, it wasn't like running at a deficit anymore. The losses were, we sort of worked through the losses. We figured it all out. We raised the premiums. We got plenty of them. We kept them from canceling by instituting this life of loan thing. Um, nowadays, the, the, everything's enough to cover it. It's time to reduce the premiums a little bit. You know, nobody wants to read a headline that FHA pocketed an extra trillion dollars this year because the, um, the premiums were so high that they greatly exceeded the losses. And now uh, FHA is wondering what to do with this extra trillion bucks. That would be a terrible headline as everyone wants to see housing and first time home buyers and all that um, continue to grow and recover. So, um, yeah, anyways. I started off by saying that it was it was fun that Obama got to announce it. I, I didn't mean to make that a direct stab. What I really meant was 
it was part of a natural progression. It was destined to happen. The insurance was being over-collected. It was time to do it. I'm happy he had a, an opportunity to gain some public favor. He's certainly been lacking in that department for the last couple of years here. Um, we got to take the commercial break for the top of the hour. We'll be back in a few minutes with another hour of Mortgage Matters. We're going to get into this employment report and talk more about that. Stay with us for more Mortgage Matters. Welcome back. Some upbeat music. Try to you trying to like spur us on and bring us out of the uh, foster the people, the color on the walls, man. I like it. Yeah, you know, buy a house, put some color on the walls. You know, maybe we should do a segment about uh, fixing the house up internally. Yeah. One day. Um, I was talking with some clients this week. Common theme this week coming up a lot. A lot of people with low taxes. Um, people coming in to uh, get pre-qualified, like looking at, you know, should I buy a new house now? The house, uh, I literally, there was a guy this week that bought a house over off of Ocean Air for like $275,000 uh, a few years ago. Now it's worth like five hundred grand. Time to crazy? like, time to cash in exactly. and then go buy another house, right? Mm-hmm. And get another loan and, and just kind of be the move up buyer. Yeah. Like. Yeah, but dude, your property taxes are going to go from three hundred bucks a month to seven hundred bucks a month. There you go, and that is a worth ton it. of money. Is it worth it? Yeah. Um, so that leads me to say, sometimes you're better off to stay put, and throw put a little color on the wall. There you go. Figure out how to make the house a little more enjoyable and make it last a little bit longer. Or if you do have to sell. Sometimes a new color on the wall helps yeah. you with selling that house. Agreed. There you go. Uh, I personally hate painting mm-hmm. i say you can't pay me enough to paint i hate the thought of it but then when i get into it i kind of i, I really start well, to well you're you're a bit it. of a perfectionist <laughs> with your like you attention to detail and stuff i can see how you could yeah. take some great pleasure in painting the heck out of a wall um <laughs> I, I do keep, by the way, I do keep um, toying with this idea. In fact, I may have even told some people um, that I intend to paint the exterior of my house. Mm. That I wouldn't do. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like no fun. You've got the wind to contend with. Yeah. You've got, I yeah. don't know. See, There's I, a lot. What if you just do it one wall at a time, though? I, I don't mind the painting. I just don't like the prep work. Yeah, th- I mean, there's the a lot of prep. Is, you know, and the little putting the blue tape up around stuff. And, yeah, I'll yeah. let the pros paint the outside exactly. of my house. They want like five grand. Yeah. How <laughs> How much of that's material and how much <laughs> of that is labor? Labor is like 80% of it. No, I've... Dude, I... I'm telling you. And let, we need a painter to call painter, in. Tell, call in and straighten us out here. <laughs> yeah. Tell, but, convince Jason he needs to hire you to paint the outside of the house. Then he's got house. better things to do with his time. <laughs> I'm going to do it on a Sunday. But, you <laughs> You've know, got better things to do. Or like 12 of them. Uh, right. That's more, that's more <laughs> realistic. Well, listen. My house is it's got a stucco exterior that's built in 2002. And it was color-treated stucco, right? Like with the tent on it or whatever. It was never painted. Yeah. So today, 
It's starting to look a little like it needs to be painted. But the problem is, too, if you want to go with your one wall theory, then the next wall that you didn't paint looks like real crap. For a week. Yeah. The next oh, Sunday, I'll saying. do the next oh, one. Okay. Okay. All right. I yeah, so I'm thinking like after the radio show, I do all the prep work of like uh, taping okay. everything off, getting a okay. wall all ready, pull off the light fixture, you know, mm. pressure wash it, all that kind of thing, tape it all off, get it all ready. Sunday, paint it. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's been my plan for over a year yeah. though. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> your, not, your wife hey. your wife is running to the hardware store right now. There's Jason. a couple times where I'm like <laughs> looking at the house thinking that wall like if i was starting this right now that wall and i'm like oh gotta tape off those windows and then i gotta take out that light and ooh, there's like a rain gutter downspout and would i do under the eaves or stop there yeah that's for another day just walk away <laughs> so i haven't done it yet but someday hey gas is cheap yeah, it is. Want to take a road trip? Oh, man. I've been feeling good. Every time I drive by a gas station, you know and see that price fall. I Ugh, see this amazing. smirk on your face right now about how good you're feeling about gas. I've been um, feeling pretty happy, too. And then this last week, now I'm sad about it. I said, now I'm starting to feel like I'm just a selfish punk. Um, Texas, Alaska, uh, Bakersfield. There's like whole economies that are being destroyed right now by this lack of gas. Um, they can't go produce it. I guess the cost to produce like a barrel of oil, like on lack American of demand. Soil, do you mean no? Um, if you're a small outfit over in Bakersfield or down in Texas that mines, you know, is able to produce some oil for a profit, your cost to bring up a barrel of oil is usually about sixty bucks, from what I understand. And when it gets below fifty, you don't go to work today. Leave the oil in the ground. It's no value for you. You're you'd have to sell it at a point you're, below you're paying people. Yeah, and so from what I understand, some of these com companies out of the Middle East are at about ten bucks a barrel cost to get it out of the ground, which is why they're not halting production and actually really happy that they're destroying some of the interest and ability in other countries like America that are gaining both knowledge and interest and desire to pull oil out of their own ground. So, yeah, I was all grins about it until, um, like, even my neighbor who um, is part of the oil business over in Bakersfield has been out of work now for months and struggling. And, and um, I haven't been over to Bakersfield recently, but now I'm picturing that there's a bunch of bummed-out people that are, like, you know, just not making any money, not getting out of bed to go to work tomorrow because there's no work to be done. And I was like, man, I don't think saving 20 bucks a fill-up was worth it for me for that. But uh, it just reminds me of how complex and interdependent all these things are and what makes one person super happy really bums somebody else out. These interest rates are super low right now. Um, and part of the reason they're really low is because of the problems that are still happening overseas and stuff. And loan officers are going to be the first group of people to celebrate low interest rates always. But I don't know many loan officers that want low interest rate at expense of a, a struggling country or people or a disaster of any sort so that that's kind of a, a little sobering look at the gas thing is it um you know rather than be so overjoyed about what's going on with gas we still need to focus on cutting the cord there of dependency but um yeah maybe more road trips though huh this summer everybody can get out there and drive look at how quick you got over that 
Now I'm bummed about it. But yeah, gas is a lot cheaper. And it, it they, I mean, it, there are some people who are hurt, but there's a hundred percent of people who are seeing the benefits of filling up their gas tank. Yeah. And on the upside, those people that work in the oil fields, they don't have to even drive there now. So they're saving so much gas. Well, I filled up, I, I got three fourths of a tank for 20 bucks yesterday or 25 bucks. And that was very un. Now, did you fill up with a quarter tank remaining? Uh, or did you, did you it just, just a, it was actually just above E. Yeah. So yeah. you just took 20 bucks inside and was like, put 20 on four. Yeah, and, I have and then you went back in and got your change. <laughs> well, I didn't get change because I was up to three fourths of a yeah. tank. But still, my, last, I, this time last year, we were looking my, at 60 bucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my truck has got like a 26 gallon tank. And so when I pull up to the pump, I mean, you probably don't, you, your car is what, you know, like 16 gallons, 18 gallons? Yeah, something like that. When you get to my level, you like hit the pump. It's like, you know, what are you trying to do here? Next thing you know, it's like enter your social security number now. Would you like to have two months of, you know, no interest financing on this tank of gas? Money out of your 401k. Then at the end, it's like, would you like to buy the tank of gas for the guy behind you yeah <laughs> what is this starbucks <laughs> um yeah yeah and so uh let's move on now to um i did i wanted to talk a little bit more about the employment report i mean i know we touched on it comes out every friday but friday the first friday of the month is what i meant to say it comes out the first friday of the month we well, skipped this first let's friday edit that of... part out later jim that part where i said comes out every friday uh okay Comes out the first Friday of every month. The first Friday of this month was... Holiday. Holiday. So skipped it. Give those folks over at the Bureau of Labor and Statistics another uh, week to put it together. Came out this Friday. And, of course, leading into it, we had um, tragic events in Paris. We still see a lot of unrest over what's going on um, with Greece and Germany and as they, they work to figure these things out. Um, many people said no matter what happens with that job report, there's such a flight to quality right now of those fears overseas that the jobs report's going to get lost in the shadows here. And I kind of think that's true. You know, yesterday when this jobs report came out, it wasn't stealing headlines. Um, if anything, I saw headlines were still reeling about FHA cutting their mortgage insurance premium. Um, but the bottom line is it was a very good jobs report. And no sooner did we realize um, the jobs that were created were very good, topped, um, put the kind of the capper on what was a very good year for job growth, the headlines immediately turned into talking about the the drop in wage growth and how the wage growth has been so disappointing um the and just to kind of to recap um november had a 321,000 job increase i worry that these numbers are suspended in lack of context for people that's an unbelievably good month of job creation if we created 321,000 jobs every month we'd be creating like just under 4 million jobs a year and everyone in this country would be driving a bentley before too long you'd probably have to export like crazy it would be wild that's such a great number what november was um and then in december we were expecting to add 240,000 jobs um so not quite looking for the, the the bumper crop there of November, but 240 is nothing to scoff at. That's a very good number. 
And um, it came out. 252. Bam. And they revised the previous couple of months up Exceeding by about 50. Exceeding expectations and saying that when we went back and counted the previous month, it was even better than we thought. The unemployment rate was expected to have uh, held steady. That, too, um, declined. And, you know, like I said, it was a very good jobs report except for this wage growth problem. Um, so hopefully that's what 2015 means is yeah. seeing increased wages. Well, and that's we've been talking about that probably for the last twelve months. That we're we're hitting, we're getting to that point of full employment. the The Fed, the Federal Reserve, targets an unemployment rate of somewhere between five point two and five point five percent. So we're just above that. They consider that range of five two to five five uh, as consistent with a healthy economy. So we're reaching what the Federal Reserve considers full employment. So the next shoe to drop should be wage growth you know now now you're at full employment so now you've now employers are competing for the the best of those fully employed americans to work for them and they're going to entice them to work for them by offering them a little bit more money than the I other company was. i ran an ad a couple weeks ago looking for a replacement here for one of our staff members that was um taking a new opportunity and we, we ran this ad and i was I was a little bit honestly like I'm not ready for this because the last I, time we did it we got flooded it with was applications. Overwhelming. And you know what too? I want you to more importantly than the volume of applications, I want you to take time and listen to what I'm about to say. I was advertising for a job that was a pay range of eleven to fourteen dollars an hour. Okay. This is a no experience necessary. Just be a bright personality and able to show up on time and and be a learner. We're going to teach you a lot. Um, I got so many resumes. It wasn't even funny with cover letters that were so well written and just epic quality. I was the vice president of lending for the Chase branch for X amount of years. Ready for this job? Everywhere, everyone I looked at, these people were rich with experience. And just, it was totally depressing to me to see how many overly qualified people were literally just clawing at the opportunity to find any old work. Um, so I figured. Two weeks ago when I put the ad up, I thought, you know, here I, I, I need somebody and I'm going to have to do this. And I'm just not ready to to get the hundreds of resumes again of overqualified people and figure out how to, to leaf through that. Um, I ran an ad for 10 days this time and got like nine responses. That's a trip. Again, I mean, I advertised a, a similar pay structure, so it wasn't that we were looking for some, you know, loan officer or highly qualified, experienced person. This is an entry level position. Um, wasn't a whole lot of takers. In fact, I even emailed some people to ask them resume looked good enough to come in for an interview where I just didn't even hear back. Um, so for me, in little old slow town for an entry level uh, desk job. My, how the seasons have changed in a short um, two years. I was going to say four. You reminded me yesterday that was only two. Um, really different landscape today. Um, and so, yeah, if that's the case, uh, I bet I could have 
garnered myself more applicants by posting a higher wage. And I mean, granted, we weren't right at minimum wage, but in this position, it's one where, you know, the pay is going to be commensurate with the growth level. So um, that wasn't the strategy. But in any case, just a very different landscape today. And I, and I fully expect this year for the companies that find themselves in whether they're manufacturing widgets or building the website for the widget manufacturer, if you're going to be attracting, recruiting and retaining qualified employees, you're going to have to give them more money. Um, that to me is just simple economics. But uh, uh, so I do. I think that this this coming year is going to be the year of job, um, not job creation, but just kind of steadily keeping with these numbers of job creation that we've had. But the increase in wages, I think, is, is what everyone's going to be looking for. Oh, yes, it is break time. I, you know what I was going to tell you, though? You'll be surprised about this. I'm going to tell you um, something that Coca-Cola, JCPenney, Macy's all have in common. All right. After the break. <laughs> There's what you call a hook. Jason. That's the hook. Stick around so you can figure out what the these companies have in common. The blue chippers. Well, Coke is, right? Coke's a blue chip. Stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you refinance your home or investment property. Lower your rate, shorten your loan term, or get out of your mortgage insurance. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Central Coast, Central Coast Lending. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. 
All right. Welcome back, guys. It is just before 1030 today. Um, what a beautiful day for January, by the way. You know what? When I got into the car and started driving over here, there's sprinkles out in Me too. Bay. Oh, really? Same thing all the way down from AG too. AG hmm. this morning at uh, yeah. 7.15 when I left. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that it was going to be like one of those, like, you know, for a month or six weeks in a row, just raining every day. And yeah. now yeah. since the rain kind of broke, yeah. it's been awfully dry. Yeah, we need the rain. Yeah, man. Right my right. grass, I... My grass is like looking good again, and my sprinklers have been off for a long time. I was all excited about that. This morning when I was getting my truck, I was like, dang, the grass is kind of yellow. I'm not going to turn the sprinklers back on, though. I'm tired of that. All right. Oh, yeah. I was going to tell you. You you hooked me, man. What's What are all the Macy's, JCPenney, and Coca-Cola? What do they have in common? I know they're not selling the same things. No. Let's see here. They're all having... Expect to have banner 2015s? No. What What do you got? You don't want to guess anymore? No. I thought it would be fun. Uh, I mean, we could fill up the next half hour of, of terrible guesses. Let's. It's not even a very good thing to like build anticipation over either. Okay. Um, in this new economy, Coca-Cola has announced to lay off 1,800 people. Oh, really? Um, they got to cut costs by $3 billion. Department store JCPenney is shutting 39 underperforming stores and laying off 2,250 employees. And Macy's um, are closing Macy's and Bloomingdale's. I didn't even know they were affiliated, but evidently they are. Macy's was my first credit card, by the way. I got a $100 credit card at Macy's. So I bought a pair of pants for like 55 bucks, and then I paid them off. And then they gave me a two hundred dollar. Yeah, that was pretty big. The J.C. Penny one's not real surprising. They've been struggling for a while and trying to find their way. You know, I just worry though that the brick and mortar stores may be going to the wayside. Like just having a place that has goods in a space. But you know, I think one of the problems is is like we just have this growing sort of consumer ADD where we want everything and then we want it all under one roof. And you know where you can find that? Um, online. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but imagine like fast forward on down the road where they're like, you, you'll you be telling your grandkids about bookstores. Uh, you, should, you should smell a book, son. <laughs> Come over here. You'll have a book to let him smell, but he'll be like, what is that? It <laughs> smells dirty. doesn't even have a light on it. <laughs> Does that thing even have batteries? <laughs> you know what I mean? It, yeah, it smells dirty. <laughs> they probably sneeze and just like the human condition they will have evolved to this position where like smelling a book would like cause some adverse health reaction um but that's kind of a sad thing to think about you know we're we're already chasing out so many like uh the kids were just talking about foster freeze i gotta say that foster freeze in town there not a big consumer of like the fast food thing in general um i know we went there for like a mcflurry or something years ago a blizzard that's what it was right or is that, yeah, yeah yeah they have blizzards anyway as a restaurant's been here forever 
Yeah, it was long I, time. I and, actually was downtown yesterday and drove by it, and it's kind of sad to actually yeah. see it closed. As a mom and pop store, yeah. I don't feel the the hurt as much because I yeah. my office in Morro Bay has a Foster's Freeze right next door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty but, awesome. But go on and look through town. You know, you got now we got like a a bunch of chains, and you know, something to be said about the chain. I guess they're figuring out the formula for profitability or something, but. The little stores, I was I was just oh, I'm starting to feel old, you know. I started talking about things that were twenty years ago. Um what was the name, Dan, of that Italian place out there in the Marigold Center that was like oh, a Cuginis. Yeah. I yeah. know it was Cuginis. Cuginis has been gone for a few years now, and that was a Cuginis was a pretty cool spot. But Anthony and I were walking through town and I stopped on into the network where Flame Bay used to be yeah. and you know, it's like you can just as you walk through town, it has its changed an awful lot. And I realize there are people that are two and three times our um, our tenure in town that are probably laughing about how you know remembering before the 101 was built or something. <laughs> but in any case, it it changes a lot, and the changes that have been happening lately is more and more of the the mon paws are turning into the the franchises and the chains and. Um, so anyways, these, yeah. it's kind of surprising to me. I thought we could have a little interesting side conversation about Coca-Cola. A uh, few things I did want to point out, by the way, uh, McDonald's on Foothill went out of business years ago and no it. fast food chain has even decided that it would be a smart move to try to move in there. Mm-hmm. I, I've I noticed how much it has to do with the no drive through. Sure, I don't that's a part of it. Yeah. I don't know how much it does. I well, Hey, mm-hmm. uh, Dude, did I haven't been to Osos kind of since I left? I they were putting a drive-through McDonald's in Los Osos. They yeah. were talking about it. I don't. I actually did don't it know stall if out? it ever went in. But I know. I, I mean, I on Quintana there in Morro Bay. There's a couple of drive. There's a McDonald's and a Burger King. Maybe a third one. At least those two. Those. I, I mean, I see cars lined up in those drive-throughs. So I think the drive-through aspect of it does have a. So I was reading about this. You know, in my house, we don't eat at McDonald's. Um, I really just it's not a part of what we do so i i was reading this about coke and i thought to myself well so coke needs to lay off a bunch of employees coke's like a blue chip company right and then i started thinking well maybe people are just drinking less soda now i think that's it <laughs> i mean there's so much Starting awareness to watch this stuff and then i stopped and i was like oh man i have to try to weigh out now whether my little living in slow you know in this like all that is slow am i like believing now that the world's ready to get rid of coca-cola and nascar or is it like um you know and then i was talking to anthony that works for us and he was telling me about how those like um you know those again something that we don't eat in my house but those little like um donuts like the that's what they're called that's how they spell it the chocolate wax put over the dry cake thing. Those are good, though. (laughs) All right. He's like, oh, those are so good if you put them in the refrigerator and then eat them. And I'm like, oh, that's terrible. And I feel like all of my friends, I'm so sick already of this, like, you know, well, vaccines cause autism and GMA corn is causing cancer and all this stuff. And I'm just like, man, I just... I'm I'm time out on all that. I think if you're just eating fruits and vegetables and like meats and cheeses and nothing that's coming out of a box, you're in pretty good shape. And 
I don't. I know I'm probably going to get a bunch of hate mail now about GMO and all that stuff. There's documentaries about these things, and so I started asking myself, "Is this why Coke's going to lay people off?" Well, think about it. Or I mean, am I just New reaching? York, New York State, they, or at least the, the, maybe the city of New York, they the, they yeah. outlawed the 64 ouncer. Like they yeah. limited Coke to only being able to offer 12 ounce maximum. Size. The People's Republic of New York. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. right. I mean, well, I think the world is so much more aware. Of, if you want to, if you and... want to take your bank account down to the store and buy a bathtub's worth of soda to attempt to drink this afternoon i don't care i don't either i don't care i really don't care yeah no just don't in fact i am not gonna feel good about myself if your enjoyment today was gonna you were gonna be made happy by a 60 ounce soda and i limited you to 20 took that away from you who am i yeah well you know i'm kind of thinking too jason maybe uh the Coke thing, how how much could it be affected by the fact that now you've got things like Life Water and Sobe and Monster and it's uh, just so, so many more, more options. Oh, sure. That's, yeah, that's a good point. There yeah. are a lot more options. And if you're like if you're on a road trip, you know, like over Christmas, we're driving down south. I found myself. We always stop at the Lost Virginia's Parkway exit down there. The same station we've been going to for 20 years. And I found myself in the station um, looking like I'm going to get a drink. So then I'm like, I'm looking at the drinks and I'm like, boy, there are a lot of drinks. But, you know, I'll and I'll uh, counter your points, both of you. Coke owns most of those other drinks or Pepsi does, too. I I mean, it's still the same, like three big companies that own all those different drink options. Fair enough. I forget about that. True. I mean, they even own the water companies, too, like the, you know, all those different water options. Yeah. Coke is laying off. It has plans to lay off employees this year in an effort to cut money out of the budget because they're losing profitability. I don't know exactly what that stems from. Then there's these other major retailers that are, too. So it's just in that sense, too, you know, I mean, and for all we know. The Coke sales themselves have remained constant for years, and it's the increased cost of health coverage that has them in a position of needing to lay people off. I, think I don't know. I think that, that they're so vested in junk food, whether it's the fast food chain, you know, the Taco Bell they own or the Doritos chips. I mean, I think I'm going all Pepsi products here, but, <laughs> you know, that, that they're in the business of junk food, and junk food is taboo now. Sure. So, yeah. Here. Here. here yeah, maybe, maybe we're just That's what I'm wondering. a skewed perception of reality. We need to go spend the weekend in Visalia or something and find out if people are down on Coke or if GMO, if people quit Coors Light because it has GMO corn in it. I had a friend refuse a Coors Light recently because it has GMO corn. I'm like, okay. Wow. This has gone too <laughs> you're far. You're worried about the GMO corn. But, yeah, but you're going to drink a Coors Light out of an aluminum can? I blame yeah. the car industry. They're not making cup holders big enough to hold my 64-ouncer. That's the problem. If, nor, if, nor have they increased the size of the seat to hold your 64-ounce butt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, those that too long talked about that. But those companies have plans to lay people off, and, and that's, that's no good. Um, you know, I just couldn't bring in all this good news and just tell yeah. you all about all the good Who stuff. Who wants to hear all that? This is a palate cleanser here. There's... <laughs> Some of these companies are having some trouble. Yeah, that's why you watch the news, right? To hear what oh. companies are failing, who's dying. I and, don't watch you know. the news. <laughs> right? I, well, you can't. No, I can't. <laughs> Darn you, DirecTV. Stupid. 
Who do you blame? Do you blame DirecTV or KSBY? I find myself erring yeah, on the side of blaming one. KSBY. I, hmm. I don't know. I am. I, I, I don't know about, enough about the argument. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. Here's what happened. Yeah, I started getting a commercial. I have Direct TV at my house, and the television in my living room is such that I cannot use the over-air antenna. And truth be told, we got Direct TV because it was uh, March, right. and baseball season was coming up, and baseball's a big deal in my house, and I really wanted to have baseball. And everybody, we like took a family vote, and everybody was like, "Yeah, let's get um, cable or Direct TV or something." And so. We ended up getting DirecTV. So a week or so before the New Year's, this commercial starts coming up on the NBC feed. Everything on KSBY kept saying, hey, call DirecTV and tell them that you're going to be upset if you lose KSBY. And I started thinking, I really hope this is all a hoax. I, I don't want to lose KSBY. It's other than the Discover Channel, that's like one of the only things I'm watching, especially this time of the year at home. Um, Fox Sport West is my quick feed for um, the baseball time of the year. But at any rate, um, we watch the Today Show when we wake up in the morning. Usually yeah. have that on in the background while we're getting ready, whatever. Um, it Those drunk women take that over at 9 o'clock, <laughs> oh, so yeah, I turn it off. And that's the best part of the Today Show, actually, to be honest with you. Wow, I wasn't sure. I I I think I find myself asking my wife. People can't seriously enjoy this part of the segment, but it's folks like you that do. That's good to know. There's some entertainment value. Exactly. Nails on a chalkboard for me, but to each his (laughs) own. Wednesday, Wednesday. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But when I get home from work, we usually watch the news. Right, comes on late afternoon. I know wifey watches Ellen in the afternoon, like when the kids are home or whatever, and then. Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy and um, then some other show like uh, Law and Order or something. That's on a lot. I I don't watch that show. But then I on the uh, recording device, I record Jimmy Fallon, which has got to be the best show on television today. Mm-hmm. Plus, so, I think their news is actually the most the best. Yeah, that now. news is a good news. It's the yeah. local news. It's not yeah. about Santa Barbara or Santa Maria. It's about it's San Luis. And I like the news. Luis, yeah. And I watch it for the weather. And then they do the during the Today Show. He says, here's what's going on with your neck of the woods. And you one leg into your pants, you turn around and listen <laughs> yeah. to find out, you know, whether or not you need a sweater today. That has been a part of our household forever. And now um, what happened was and Maybe somebody can tell me if I'm grossly wrong about this, but KSBY wanted more money to give the same feed they gave, and DirecTV simply said no. If they allowed KSBY to charge more to DirecTV, they would have to then charge all of the consumers more to keep the feed in there. And so they tried to call each other's bluff. And shortly after the ball dropped on New Year's Eve, yeah. uh, the feed literally stopped, just like KSBY said that it would. And, of course, we called and, you know, did our best to complain and voice our concerns or whatever. But, the, you know, there's plenty of people that believe it's all the satellite companies are just being so greedy. They're whatever, KSBY. I'm only frustrated that um, it's free to everybody else with an over-air antenna. Um, in my living room, that's not an option for me because of the way it's set up. So I really can't do that. But how can these corporations be at a standoff over 
greed or something not giving me a choice and it's a service they provide for free for other people to be able to watch the local news so anyways i'm really frustrated with it i personally blame ksby um i this week i got going on this dirty little mental trip thinking about how it is that you know it is all of the cable and satellite users that pay those bills to make that free for the over-the-air user. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm sitting here thinking that the the company in the in that of those two that's really feeling the hurt is KSBY because they went from getting something to nothing from Directv. And I'm not seeing their commercials now. Yeah, so their advertising may take a hit and too. And their yeah. news is becoming less important in my life now. I I was joking last night. I was talking to a friend. So I was I've been really happy since the first and i think part of the reason why is i'm not seeing the news <laughs> well and i don't even to, know if anybody killed anybody and you might have to look at it from a direct tv's perspective too because when the contract renegotiations come up for kyt and kcoy they're going to be saying well you know you let ksby do this so why shouldn't we be able to do it with the with the charter yeah line? probably yeah, you know. but and at the same time the DirecTV is managing the contracts with networks everywhere, right? It's And it's not just these local companies like KSBY, but it's big national companies. And I think probably at most every opportunity, like if, if Jim, you work here for the radio station, if you can give yourself a raise tomorrow, would you like to? Sure. Yeah. I march myself and then, right into the office And when you morning. give yourself that raise, I mean... It, <laughs> Exactly. Business is really a P&L. So when you take that additional dollars for you, um, where's it coming from? And if you're expecting that DirecTV is just going to eat it, yeah. they won't. They're only going to raise the bill to you. But you see these guys competing for new business constantly by we have the lowest price X, Y, Z. So at every negotiation, if they just yeah. constantly get beat up for more money, then it raises the price to the consumer. And, you know, yeah. I, I personally think that for those reasons and many others in probably another five to seven years, I think um, like satellite like direct tv and then cable like charter won't be what we're accustomed to where you're paying a 100 bucks a month to get this whole offering of all of this yeah, we're crap. moving towards the a la carte yeah offerings. where if you want to watch the fallon show go for it it's 20 cents it'll just get uh, billed your account that a la carte. i think you're gonna you're gonna buy channels you're gonna, maybe you're going to buy NBC. I think, you're going to buy and maybe TNT these different, maybe the different providers will take different approaches on it. I personally um, would prefer just a pay per view type of thing, but not a dollar or three dollars per uh, little show, but just you know, it, something more nominal. That if I end up watching seven hours worth of TV in my house this week, I want to pay you know seven bucks for that, not a hundred and fifty bucks, and. Oh, I got to move on from this topic because that stuff used to be free because you got advertised to. Now they still advertise to me and I'm paying for it. Man, I'm mad at TV. I'll just turn the whole thing off. But then I can't watch baseball. MLB, oh no, you like one of those in-market teams. Yeah. It's too bad. <sighs> That's very frustrating for me. Um... Man, we're uh, we need to do a commercial break here. 
where we can uh, do the final one of the show. So let's do that. We do a commercial break. Get that out of the way. We got some more stuff to talk about. We'll be back for another 15 minutes of Mortgage Matters. Stick with us. Don't go in. State of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you buy your next home. We promise to close on time, on budget, with no surprises. Give Central Coast Lending a call today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. I'd like to build the world a home and furnish it with love. Yeah, I remember that. The world to sing and buy the world a Coke. My dad was a Coke drinker. I know. I mean, he's still alive, and he does still drink Coke, but not not the way it was. Nobody drinks soda the way they used to, do they? I don't. I, I remember in high school, coming home, took the bus home from high school, got home, and, you know, there's I had free reign on the house for a couple of hours. I'd probably put away, like, anywhere from three to five Cokes. Whoa. And... Then the one day that I decided that, you know, maybe I'm consuming a little too much um, carbonated beverage, man, massive headaches, yeah. terrible headaches for a couple weeks. For stopping? Yeah. Jeez. It's evidence of the addictive <laughs> properties of caffeine My dad and drank sugar. Coke. My dad drank Coke, but we were poor, and he knew how many Cokes were in the fridge. And if you drank a Coke, there is a good chance you were going to find yourself in trouble. We're going to get a spanking. Maybe. <laughs> if if there were, you know, a special event where my dad, my dad was like, you know, maybe got a bonus at work or something and was like, everybody can have a Coke tonight. And that was a big deal. My mom still puts down a few diet sodas a day. And I'm trying to tell her, like, what are you doing? You need to drink some water. 
I drink I drink a lot of water. I do drink like a a soda usually a day, but now I buy the those little like kid ones. They're you know eight ounces or something. Yeah, I find a few sips kind of gives me my satisfies the craving. It's enough. I don't need. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah. So, anyways, are we on? Is that weird? Is that not the norm? Yeah, we're those. Got to question it now. Fruits you start and nuts from California. Check out Coke <laughs> laying people off, man. Got to make you wonder. Enough people saw the documentary. There's probably a Netflix documentary that attacks Coca-Cola. Have you seen it? I no. You guys watch those every now and then. Food Inc. I've seen stuff like that. <laughs> Hey, Americans are feeling really good about the prospects of 2015. How can you not, dude? Fill up the tank and drive to 2015. They're feeling good. They uh, A poll here said that nearly half of Americans predict that 2015 is going to be better than 2014. Half? Half. What do you think? I think it's going to be good. I, I do think... I'm that, trying not to be greedy. I do think that 2015... Is going to be the year of some of some more substantial wage growth. So I think I'm that trying not to be greedy. Going to be really good. My goal, like my, when I was thinking about what I want out of 2015, I'll take more of the same from 2014. More of the same? Yeah, it wasn't a bad year. No, I mean I don't have too many complaints. I thought it got off to a slow start, but the economy, yeah. job, if family, everything was. If 2015 good. can be like how 2014 ended, I, I'd be yeah very happy. Yeah. You know, it's like when you're playing blackjack, though, if you got like a a 16, you're not supposed to ask for a five. You're supposed to go for a four. Don't be greedy. So I'm not looking for like 15 to be some gangbuster type of year. I would take I would take what 14 was. I thought it was a good year. Slow and steady, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, however, want to um, just kind of tie back a little bit quickly to the rates thing because um you mentioned during the break that um cash call yeah they're on it with their advertising man, man those guys it'd are be fast. nice to have a huge budget like them huh they probably build these commercials just to put in the can for later but yeah um, they're out there advertising that if you got a mortgage in the last 18 months rates are lower and it's time to look at your mortgage yeah and that's the message that i wanted to to give everybody today um and i wanted to go back i i don't like the uh it feels like we're just like begging for business and that's certainly not uh, my goal here here's what i want you guys to know um, is first and foremost, when rates dip like this, like today they're lower than they've been in you know 18 months. If you bought in that period, it's certainly time to call back and, and get a look at getting something lower. Um, if you didn't refinance in the last you know couple years for whatever reason, and I, I talked to another couple this week that just had their head in the sand for the last six years and missed opportunities and you know they could afford their mortgage and it wasn't that big of a deal and didn't seem like an urgent thing and just didn't race over to the the feeder like everyone else but came in now and are shocked to learn that they can save four hundred dollars a month with a refi um four hundred bucks is a lot of money in a month and you know i personally because i I want to feel good about what I'm doing with my clients and how how I interact and what value I add. 
saving 400 bucks a month, like for that couple, that's not the, the end goal. Like I said, they didn't refi already because they could afford their payment. So instead of lowering the payment, how about shortening the term? You know, you take a 22-year a loan. Like, so they had a 30-year loan. They got 22 years left. Don't go lower the, the payment by going back into 30 years. We talked about going to a 20 or a 15-year mortgage. And um, that's really the, the message that I want to share with people, especially folks like, um, like the cloth I'm cut from, the self-employed people. I mean, let's face it, guys, if you're self-employed, the majority, um, one of the the highest, most likely ways you're going to retire is when your house is paid off. So let's talk strategies about making that sooner than later. Um, those are Those are really great conversations for us to have. And you know what? Sometimes we can accomplish both. It, it, I'll concede it's kind of a rare thing, but sometimes we have people that get a lower payment and a shorter term. Um, not always the case, but hey, you don't know what you can get until you come in to figure it out. So um, just a general call, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go one more simple, um, if your interest rate is higher than four, then we want to talk to you. Yeah, at 4%, you can refinance. Most people can refinance for zero cost. Yeah. And you know what? Um, Dan, when you and I were at lunch yesterday, you said you might be in your house forever. When I did. you look at yeah. your house, your house suits your needs. You like the location. Everything about it is such that, like, you don't, you can't identify a major need or reason why you need to leave your house. No, there's some selfish reasons why I might, but yeah, I we have a very ideal situation. So yeah, so for somebody like you, I'm going to talk to you about maybe you convert eight thousand dollars of your equity <laughs> towards that three and a half percent thirty year fixed right now, or the three and a quarter. There's a way that you can, if you know you're going to be in this house for a long enough term to reap the benefits of paying your interest rate down. Um, those kind of conversations are the ones that we're wanting to have right now. So if you're, if you have an interest rate that's in the fours, your rate may be too high. Um, how about these other ones though? What if you got a harp loan two years ago or a loan modification two years ago? Did you know that after paying your loan modification for two years on time, you can then get a refi? Even if you had a principal reduction? There are people out there that had that and they just, they feel like they already got their loan mod and there's no way they're going to get a new loan or a new something or other. All you have to do is once your loan is modified, you just have to pay it for two years and then you can get a normal refi. So if you did that, you're a pretty good candidate. You should give us a call. Um, I say this one every time I got this microphone in front of me. If you have mortgage insurance, you need to call us. I recently combed through our pipeline of loans for the last five years. And I was astonished. I mean, I, we, we talk about the home price appreciation nearly every week, but I was astonished to see the numbers for clients that we have done multiple loans for on the same property. Those appraisals have come in 20 and 30. And so, I mean, ridiculous amounts higher 
in the more recent refinances than when we did them just a couple of years ago. So if you didn't have the equity, if you had to do the HARP refinance a few years ago because you just were upside down or very little equity in your home, there's a high likelihood that not only could you avoid mortgage insurance, but I mean, you may have 30% equity or more in your home now today. Yep. So going, you know, kind of coming back to, I want to say where I said when I started, I, whenever we give this whole diatribe about who it is that we can help again, I, I'm not, I'm not in here just trying to, to gain more business for my own profitability. I, with true conviction, believe that people can be changing their future financially by being smart. Um, just, making something happen um and that get in there and know your options and the fha loan i forgot to i mean that's we were talking about that the whole first hour if you have an fha loan that you got in the last couple of years rates are down to below or at what you got your interest rate at and the mortgage insurance is dropping by a half a percent it's like no points three and a quarter right now it's yeah. that's that's stupid low. So get ready for to refi. I mean, everyone with an FHA loan should be looking yep. at a refi because it's the mortgage insurance decrease alone is going to save you a lot of yeah. money. So um, at any rate, if you guys are wanting to find out how you qualify or if you do, if you just have questions, worry that there's some reason or another that you have disqualified yourself as an eligible borrower or buyer from your couch, um, I'd urge you to, to shake that mentality. It's a new year. Let's start with a fresh mindset. Um, our company, we're not one of those companies that's doing the hard sell or just trying to capture your, um, your contact information to, to hound you and beat you up. Just like this radio show, our goal is to give away the free info, establish credibility with you that we're normal, local, small town guys. Uh, we have a company that's structured such that we can offer the most aggressive mortgage rates and programs nationally. I mean, it's it's wild what it is we're able to offer. And um, you won't be doing yourself any disservice by just reaching out to us. Um, let's just do a little consultation. Just takes a minute. Get an idea of uh, what things we need to explore with you. And, and if we turn over a few rocks and it turns out there's that you're in the best loan you should be in, uh, we turn people away all the time. Keep that loan you got. Um, a lot of people call me about the mortgage insurance things. I say, if you have mortgage insurance, call me. Um, oftentimes, I'm just giving people advice on how to get it canceled. Call them up. Tell them this. This should work. Get it done. Call me back. Let me know if you were successful. Um, and then sometimes, uh, there really is an obvious way to save somebody's bacon. Um, so give us a call this week, 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Or check us out on the web. We're centralcoastlending.com. Thank you very much for being with us today, guys. We'll be back next week with another live episode. And uh, make it a great week.